welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 89. Oh, 89? That was that was a loud welcome. Did you notice how loud your welcome was? Was it loud? Like it's like if it's good though. Like, you know, if you're late and you're like listing or you're taking pictures and it's like one in the morning, you're like I'll, uh, you will you will wake up. I'll, It'll be like the welcome. I'll I'll lower the volume there. No, so no, no, it was, no, don't lower it. Keep it. I thought it was awesome because right. we're we're pumped. I don't know what it is, but Mike and I came into the studio today and we were actually like friends when we walked in. And what, like, the, <laughs> what does that mean? No, just are, are we not friends sometimes? I'm just but I, I we have this energy about us, and maybe it's because it's not late at night. Maybe that's the change. Yeah, yeah, we're recording in the middle of the day, which is a big difference because. Yeah, when we record, it's usually like three or four hours past my bedtime. I know, but and this is an yeah, hour after I wake up, so so it's a good time. I, I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I'm that. still up in the air. You know what hurts me is that everything I read is that wealthy people wake up early. Yep. Everything. There's not one person that says, "Yep, I stay up till three in the morning and I get up at noon and look at how rich I am." Like I I never have heard that. Yeah, I mean, there's the the occasional. I mean, especially when you're talking about like the entrepreneur, like the new like style of of wealth. There's definitely people who are like that, but traditionally, yeah. But are there books? I have not read a book that says it. Uh, I don't know about books, but usually those people aren't writing books, right? They're making <laughs> YouTube videos or, or reading books, right? So, but but traditionally, like one thing that I've kind of has stuck out to me is this idea that when you live in the West Coast, like we do, right? Yeah. When you wake up. You got to consider business started in America, East Coast time. That's right? true. So three hours earlier, people are up and they're already starting to make their emails and their phone calls and business transa- transactions are already happening. So if you wake up and business has been going on for three hours, by the time you wake up, by the time you get to the office, business has been happening for four hours, you're behind, right? So that's one of the reasons, especially West Coast, that a lot of businessmen are up early and they're working early because you know the stock market's already been open. Mm-hmm. clients are already, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're in the West Coast and you're trying to deal with clients on the East Coast, you better be, you know, available and working or you're going to lose business. So does that translate to reselling? I don't know. Maybe it does. Um, you know, if you're sleeping when offers are rolling in or instead of listing when people are, you know, driving to work and they're maybe not while they're driving to work, but like while they first get to work and they're wasting time and they're buying stuff on eBay. I don't know. Maybe it's worthwhile to have that algorithm working for you East Coast time and not just West Coast time. No, I agree with you. Okay, a couple of things real quick. So I don't want to say that a lot of the young entrepreneurs aren't reading. I think a lot of them do, but I think there's this persona out there. I love the backpedaling you're doing. No, I want to backpedal a little bit because I don't like broad brushing, but I think there are a lot that do, right? I think that, you know, it's just not the thing right now, like to read books. I don't know. There's, I feel like there's resurgence. I mean, you think who's, so? who's that guy who's like, in all of the videos. Ty Lopez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, look well, at my new Lambo yeah, yeah. here in the... Uh, With this library in the back? And, and got my Lambo next to my Ferrari, uh, next to a bunch of models here by this library, right? Like, that's kind of his his thing. Something like that, you know? And he I read a book he, a day. Yeah, okay. But that's what I mean. I don't want... I There's don't like want a resurgence to, of... So of, Ty Lopez canceled out what I just said. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's one of the reasons we do our level up reviews is I think people are starting to realize that being able to glean wisdom from wiser people than yourself and mm-hmm. people who maybe lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, you know, potentially, and you're able to get, you know, their experiences, their wisdom, their understanding, and then apply it to life today. Hey, you know, I, I, I've always said, I mean, I heard it a long time ago, so I'm stealing it, but quote of the week is 
Um, and I may have already used this one, but uh, fools don't learn from their mistakes. Smart, smart people learn from their mistakes and wise people learn from other people's yes, mistakes. Yes, you shared that, but it's great. You right? need to keep sharing. It's good. So, this is why we do the podcast. This is why we talk about how we fail. So you guys don't have to make the same mistakes we've made. Yeah. So, okay. And okay, and one more thing, and I know we got to move on, but it's totally related because this is part three of don't make time your enemy. And you're right about the East Coast thing. I've noticed, you know, when we talk about eBay, my, most of my sales happen around five to seven in the morning, mm. which is really weird. And so that means I probably should be sending offers around that time. Cause I've been sending offers around seven 30 in the morning and people are more willing to accept, mm. which is kind of strange. I mean, cause I don't, I don't like waking up till about nine something. So, you know, luckily, you know, when my boys are with me, I have to get up and take them to school. So it forces me to, you know, take action early. But yeah, it's something to be said. And I think about that, you know, East Coast time, people are already three hours ahead of sending offers, of making yep. things happen. So yeah, I get it. I get it. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. All right. Okay. And make sure to make your bed. So, yeah. you know, make your bed. when you get up early, make your bed. Okay, let's move on. All right. So we want to talk about don't make time your enemy. The first part we talked about you know, the different ways that you can do it by, you know, implementing different, I'd say we talked about software a little bit, right? We, in the second one, we talked about tools and, and this one, I wanted to talk more about just planning out your times, kind of like mindset kind of things. Mindset. And then even, even beyond that, just like physically planning out your time. Like there's strategies that, that can be used that are very helpful for that too. Well, and, and that's the thing, because, and, and here's the thing. We ultimately, I want to say we are not the authority on this. And there's a lot of things I say in theory <laughs> that I should be doing, that I know I should be doing, that I haven't been doing. So we're not, I, I want to make sure we don't come across as gurus saying like, hey, this is exactly how you should do it. This is what we've done. This is why we're successful. We're not saying any of that. These are just observations I've made over time by watching other resellers be successful, by myself implementing some things being successful, and just things that are just kind of, you know, common sense along the way that you pick up and you're like, huh, you know what? That completely makes sense. So the first time, the first thing I wanted to talk about is just planning out your time, right? Because the first part of don't make time your enemy was about organization, right? And we kind of talked about the paperwork. We talked about, you know, organizing your sourcing as far as like going to stores certain times a week, which we'll talk about that a little bit here too. And we talked about, you know, organizing your inventory and shipping, but overall is organizing your time, right? That's kind of like the very detail. Now we're, I think we're going more macro. Does that make sense? Should uh, we have gone macro first and then micro? You know, I don't know. I, I feel like this, this can go both ways. I think there's, there's definitely a micro level to this. Like for instance, I, I use a program called Todoist, which is the like to-do list program I use. And I also use... Is it an app or is it... Yeah, it's an app and it, it, it it's goes called to on do, the computer. To-do to list? To-do-ist. 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 So no L. No, yep. okay. Just want to make uh, sure. So I use that, and I also use uh, Post-it notes, and so I'll I'll plan out. Um, I plan out my week in advance, like every Sunday. I'll plan out what I'm planning on doing for the week, and then each day I break it down into like, okay, what are the tasks I need to complete this day, and then I assign each task a a letter between A to C, which is how That's important good. it is, and then within those, I didn't put time. So I look at all the A's and I say, what time during today am I going to do all these A's? And then I look at all the B's, and if I've do the B's. And if there's time left on my schedule, it's like, okay, what C's can I get to? Right. So you can definitely get very, very, very detailed on 
how you're organizing your time. Uh, but in general, some of these principles are a little bit more broad. And so I could definitely say it's kind of macro mindset level also. It just depends on on how detailed you want to go. No, I get that. And so again, you apply what works for you, right? And again, not everything. Like sometimes you just got to take one or two steps and then build, right? I'm a one or two step kind of guy. If I try to do everything at the same time, I'm mediocre at everything, right? But if I try to maximize one or two, like when we talked about, you know, during our level up review, writing your goals, making your bed, making your bed was the easy one, writing my goals. Uh, that took a little work. It's still taking a little bit of work, but you know, you got to maximize what you can, what you can do. So, all right. So sourcing. And what I mean by making your time efficient is making your time, not planning out when you're going to go, but planning out how it's going to go down. Right. So when you go to garage sales, right, you got, you have to be efficient. Right. Do you remember the first time we went? Remember our experience? Yeah. Like, I, we'll talk about that a little bit. Well, I think it's funny because you got a speeding ticket just recently. Um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't while you were heading to, uh, no, to no. a garage sale. But I, no. I do remember when I rode up with you and we started riding around in this neighborhood. Like, I am like the most cautious driver you can imagine. Like, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not always tending to, but like, I'm, I drive the speed limit. I, I signal enough time ahead of time before I change lanes. I get over well in advance. Like I'm extremely cautious and we show up to this community garage sale and you're like double parking, pulling up the car, jumping out of the car, sometimes pretty much leaving the car on so you can run, look real quick, jump back in. Like, I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, this is not like the, you know how many laws you're breaking? Like, you can't park like this. You're parked the wrong way on the road. I, I am that guy. So a lot of people are going to say, you're that guy. I am that guy. But I, I feel like, as you're dealing with like garage sales like this, you kind of have to be in. And here's the funny thing. My wife is, I don't want to say the opposite with driving, but she's much more aggressive in a good way. Like she's, she's a very confident driver. Uh, she knows what she's doing. Uh, she's, she's, she'll go a little bit over the speed limit. You know what I mean? Like she's confident. She knows what she's doing. I never feel unsafe when I'm driving with her, but there's times when I'm trying to like follow her. I'm like, you've got to drive slower. Like I can't keep up with you. You, you know, you, you got to get over earlier. I wish Mike was in the car with me last <laughs> week because I wouldn't be dealing with speeding ticket right now. <laughs> but the funny thing was my wife, we went together garage sales this last time. And it was really interesting because she, um, because I was kind of navigating, she was much more, I don't want to say timid, but she was driving a little bit slower. And she's like, okay, is it coming up? And I'm like, you're driving. You just got to go. Just like gas, <laughs> go. We got to park. Like, and I'm, nice. I'm like, and she's like, wait, you're usually the one telling me to like slow down and take it easy. I'm like, I know, but we got to get to these sales quick, fast, fast. And I think that goes back to that point you're trying to make. It's like, even me, a person who's like very cautious with, with driving and time and all of those things, when it comes to seconds, it can make a huge difference when you're trying to get to one sale, move on to the next one. How much time do you spend looking for one before you just abandon it? And like, okay, mm -hmm. like what's the next stop on the route? Like, I don't see anything here. I did one lap around the block. I need to go. Right. Or do you just keep spending time? And so you do have to have, it is a mindset thing. I think at that point of how much time are you willing to spend on this? Yeah. And you really got to think about that. So my, I don't have like a specific time. Generally, I don't like spending more than five minutes at a garage sale. Yeah. That's a long, five minutes is actually it's a, a long It's time. a long time. That's what I mean. And now I get it. When you're first starting, it's completely okay to take out your phone and take your time. I think you will be losing money when you first start because you're trying to figure out what to pick up, what not to pick up. Right? You're paying. Yeah. It's it's almost like you're not losing money, but you're you're exchanging potential profit for knowledge. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And so eventually though, you do have to get to a place where 
you know, if, if somebody isn't willing to work a deal and it's, you're not going to make that much money, you got to move on. Or if there's a lot of people there and you know that there's another garage sale that has certain items that you need, you got to say, hey, I'm going to be in here two, three minutes. If I don't find anything, I got to go. Now, some people might disagree because, you know, there's always that one thing you miss. Right. But that can be with anything. Right. You can you can you always will miss stuff. You just got to make peace with the fact that you will always miss something. Yeah. And so, you know, this goes with garage sales again in the sense that you got to set up that limit for yourself, right? Because I've done it before. You know, here's one way to cut your time at garage sales is, and this is really simple. And we talked about this, always have small bills. One of the worst time killers when you go to garage sales is you're one of the first people and you drop that 20 and they're like, oh, let me go get change in the back. And it's the worst. When they walk out of sight, you're like, oh, no. Like I've done it and it's been sometimes five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes. Sometimes I've actually just let them keep the $5, whatever, and just left. Yeah. Because I just, it wasn't worth me losing whatever profit I could have made later on. Yeah. And honestly, I only usually have cash now for there's like a couple of thrift stores that are cash only and then there's garage selling. And so whenever we have cash, like extra cash for things, if it's 20s or things like that, I have no problem like saying like, hey, you know, like I got to pay for whatever. I've got cash in the car. Like, oh, we got to pay for parking. Like use this money. Mm-hmm. But if it's like fives or ones, like I'm holding on to that stuff. Like sometimes my wife is like, oh, we should just <laughs> use the cash to leave a tip. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I need that. I need those ones, right? Like nice. I, I can't give the five and the ones. Like I need those. Like put it on the card, you know, because those that having those small bills are really important. And even change, like I don't usually carry a lot of change, but like inside of my wallet, I have change in my car in case I need to, to restock it. But I keep like a dollar and quarters in case there's something at a garage sale where someone's like, oh, it's only 25 cents. That's the only thing I want. At that point, giving them a dollar and waiting for them to find mm-hmm. your change yeah. is that's like the worst when it's like, this is such a cheap item. I don't want to be wasting time here. And and yeah, it's, it's at that point, I would say keep a few quarters, you know, a few things like that because you need those because every second counts and you never know when seconds become minutes. Yeah, right? I've paid a dollar for a hat that was only 25 cents because I'm like, I, I don't have time to wait. And, I can't keep the dollar. And and I know a lot of people are thinking like, what's 75 cents? But when you're thinking about that ROI percentage, that's a drastic difference, mm-hmm. right? And if you're thinking of, if you are losing a couple of dollars each time you go, well, that's a couple of dollars every weekend. And that's, you know, if you're doing every weekend, every, almost all year long, like we're doing, like that's, you know, hundred bucks. Well, what, what item could you bought for a hundred bucks that could have been worth 600 bucks? You know, so like you've got to think of potential loss, not just, Oh, it's just a dollar. Who cares? No, I agree. So you're presenting both sides. You're saying that 75 cents could add up over time. And so I think, I think both are right. Right. You just never know. The other thing I want to talk about is sometimes at garage sales, you get stuck wanting to test out an item, right? So you you see something electronic and listen, if it's cheap enough, and again, you might present the other side here. I say, if it's, you know, a certain amount that you're willing to lose money on, don't even bother testing it. Just go with it. And I have picked up a lot of duds. I've I've had people, the most honest looking people going, oh, we just play, we just used that dual deck VHS, VCR, DV, uh, whatever item last night. And it was working perfectly. And I'm like, sure, here you go. Five bucks. And I leave, go home, won't even turn on. Uh, right. But you got to think about the time that you're losing when you're like, okay, where do I plug this in? Yeah. Hey, do you have any VHSs on you? Can I use this DVD? Like that, that could end up being a 10, 15 minute ordeal and you could be losing profit from the next garage sale. Yeah, I never test things that are inexpensive like that at, at a garage sale. I mean, we've talked before about bringing batteries for like little things. Like, okay, if there's 
let's say there's a Walkman and you're like, hey, this might be worth a lot of money if it works, but it, you know, if it doesn't work, it's it's not worth anything, mm-hmm. or you know, then that's worth throwing a couple of batteries into. But yeah, if you're dealing with, hey, can I plug this in? I think the one time I uh, and I actually got a deal because of it, but there was like, and I've talked about it on the the podcast for a from a library like a, a government library was this like recorder thing where you put tapes in and you could listen to audio from the library and this is a really expensive thing and I think it was for the the seeing impaired and it was really cool worth a bunch of money but I didn't know if it worked and I had to plug it in and I was like does this work and they're like I don't know but like we'll sell it to you for 20 bucks and I was like okay if I'm gonna pay that much for this thing I need to know it works mm-hmm. and so we found an outlet and I plugged it in in their garage and it did not work and they gave it to me for a few bucks right and I was able to sell it for parts for like 70 something so I ended up, it, it worked for me in that instance to test it. But a lot of times, yeah, if it's a VCR that you're getting for five bucks, just give them the five bucks and it's, it's, if it doesn't work, well, that was a loss. Who cares? Yeah. And you know, I'll show you the, the bad side. The bad side is the other day I bought a stereo like an amp thing and it was selling for 300 on eBay and the guy wanted 70 and I haggled them down to 45 and he said all the right things, right? He was, he was super good at negotiating. Like he, he, he didn't, you know, I didn't give the first number. He wanted the first number. He gave the first number, but then he's like, Hey, I got somebody coming. Who's going to offer me this. I mean, he, mm. he gave all the good things. So eventually I'm like, you know what? 45 bucks to make 300. Definitely worth it. I could still sell it for parts. I took it home and I plug it in. And I turn it on and it starts smoking. Oh no. And I keep testing it. Now the smoking has stopped. So I, I don't know at what point it'll be okay for me to list. And then do you put in the listing? No, no. <laughs> Might be a fire hazard. No, I wanted to. No, but it's not. I already opened it up. It's not. I think something just shortened real quick. So I might be able to sell it for parts. I'm still going to make my money back on it. But that was a time where I was such in a hurry. And, you know, $45 to make 300 in my mind, it was worth losing that 45 knowing that I could sell it for parts and still make my money back. The question now is, okay, am I going to have to cut out some wire so it doesn't short anymore and just sell it as parts that way? I, I don't know. But again, that's things that you can do to not make time your enemy, right? Just do not spend that time testing items when you could just keep on moving. All right, and the same thing applies with thrift stores, right? Now, with thrift stores, you have more of an ability to test things. So hopefully, they have a power strip. Yeah. Do, do Some in San Diego have that. Not all yeah, of them. Some do. Um, yeah. And that's... That's important to do. I think when I first went to thrift stores, I was a little timid that like, I'm just going to grab this thing off the shelf and walk over to the power strip. And some of them have the power strips right on the electronic yeah. section, which you kind of know that's what it's for. But there's other times where I'm like, I'm freaking finding an outlet and I'm plugging this in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't want to lose this money here. And But one of the biggest things that I did that, and again, this wasn't something I was like, I thought about and I planned it. But over time, I developed a network with, you know, employees, especially at the store that shall not be named. And I knew a lot of them that worked in the back and I knew a lot of them that tested items. And I got to a place and I shared this before where I never had to test anything. So I saved a ton of time because I knew who they were. We had kind of a friendship. And so, and I never had an issue. Everything I ever sold that they told me was tested and worked was fine. So that's another way that you can save time is, you know, make that connection. So later on, you don't have to test things out. You already know things are good. The other thing is don't get lost in thrift stores. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like you can spend a long time at a thrift store. Yeah. And I think part of it comes down to how much time you have. Um, if all you're doing for sourcing, if, if your main um, revenue is going to be thrift stores in your area, maybe you've got a couple of uh, off-price stores or something you're going to, 
and you've done your fast rounds and you've hit all of the thrift stores and you kind of got the easy, the the low hanging fruit, I guess, but like the the cream of the crop, mm-hmm. stuff that's easy to find and, and, and spot. But then it's like, there's got to be gold in this place. I just don't know where it is. It might be worth, you know, if you've got the time available, you got all your listings done, there's not something more productive you can be doing with your time to say, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to look up knickknacks and I'm going to scan things and I'm going to look up labels that I'm not familiar with. And and so there's a time and a place for that. And I think, to be honest with you, I almost wonder if I've gotten too confident in my own abilities to like spot the, the easy stuff. And I've been like put into like a certain niche in a field and I'm losing money because hmm. when I first, and I've talked about it before, I, I was very naive when I'd first walk into thrift stores and garage sales. And I would scan and look up so many things. And I found a lot of stuff that that I don't think anybody was thinking about and it was mm-hmm. worth money. And then now there's times I go in and I'm like, oh, I know this brand of shoes. I'm buying it. It's going to get me money. And then I get home and I research comps. And it's like, oh, actually, these ones, for whatever reason, aren't worth as much as other ones with this brand. And so you can almost be too laser focused and be missing uh, missing stuff. So I don't know. There's a time and a place. I do think you should be quick. I don't think you should be spinning forever because I've, I've spent one time. I was like, ties. I'm going to try ties. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I spent an hour at a tie rack looking up labels and brands. And it was a complete waste of time. You know, but maybe, maybe, maybe if I spend a lot more time doing that, then I'd be able to quickly scan through and find them. So, yeah, you can get lost and you can spend an hour just on one rack or you can spend 15 minutes in the whole store and move on to the next one and find those those easy to find items more often. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You just you need to be careful. And I would say when you're first starting you and we talked about the garage, the same thing. With the store. You're going to be wasting a lot of time. But what better place? than learning at the thrift store because there's a huge change when you go full time you don't want to spend those hours in a thrift store at least i don't for me I, you know I've, I've been talking about right now i'm trying to get to 2k listings i should be there by now or pretty close by the time this episode <laughs> drops but you know mike had asked me the other night he goes do you really have whatever three four hundred other items that you can list and i do and part of that is you know i don't source as much as i used to like I don't go when I first started, you know, part time, I would go to the thrift store. I remember three times a week. I remember going Wednesday nights when I would drop my kids off at church. I remember I would go on Saturdays after I went to garage sales. And then usually I would go like on Sunday afternoon. That was kind of my my three times. Right. And I would do that. And then as you know, the part time hustle became more of a serious thing, I am ended up spending more time doing it. But during those times, I lost a lot of time in stores researching. But when I got to full time, you know, initially I hit it hard. I remember going to thrift stores and I'll talk about this about planning out your week. I would go to the thrift stores almost every single day. And then what I found out is that over time, I was losing a lot of money on gas. I was losing a lot of time. And the problem was, was that I was only depending on one source and that was thrift stores. And the ROI wasn't matching up. So over time, I established networks with people. I ended up finding other locations that you can source, whether it was wholesale, whether it was retail arbitrage. And I could source maybe once or twice a week and I'd be good for two weeks. And I know a lot of people do that with the bins. I know some people that live like out in the country and they can only go sourcing maybe once or twice a week and they kill it. Like they spend 12 hours one day at the bins and then they don't go source for another two weeks. That's another great way to make your time efficient, right? Yeah. So just something to think about. Now, 
I want to give you a heads up. When you're you're trying to scale, it's going to take time, right? Don't think that, hey, when I go full-time, I only have to source once or twice a week. It's going to take time. So just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, that's good. It's true. All right. And, and, and we also had something about estate sales. Same thing applies. So let's talk about, uh, we already talked about time limits on your sourcing. Let's talk about listing times. Hey, and the reason I brought this up is Sell Quick, Ship Quick did such a great job on their interview of talking about time value. Yeah. Right? Efficient. That was so good. Do you want to refresh us on that? Yeah. I mean, so so they have the model that I appreciate very much, which was be willing to sacrifice a little bit of time up front to maximize your efficiency so that you gain that time back quickly. And then over the long run, you're saving just hours and hours and hours of time. And so they literally would time how long it would take to to set up something, take pictures, do the listing. Well, what if we moved our, our setup to this way? What if we changed our inventory? And they found the most efficient way to, to shave literally seconds off of each listing. And when you're talking hundreds of listings a week and you're talking about you know saving 20, 30 seconds each one, it adds up quickly to the amount of time that you're saving, which is time that can then be spent either listing more items or sourcing or other things. And so, yeah, so finding that way to be efficient with listing. How long are you spending? And part of that comes down to, are you cross-posting, right? Are you using a program, a third-party program to help you cross-post to multiple things? Do you have multiple screens open and you're, are you copying and pasting? Are you just doing a posting to one, like to eBay, and then later on when you have time going and pulling that information off of eBay and then listing it on something else, which might end up taking twice as long as if you'd have just done them both at the same time or near the same time. So you really have to kind of find... Uh, what are the ways you can shave time? And honestly, you have to sacrifice a little bit of time to do that, right? Like to take the time to say, let's try it this way. Let's time ourselves. Let's see how long did it take, All right? Let's try it this way. What if we do this? Instead of just going, you're kind of, you might waste a couple hours in a week, like trying to figure this out. But over the course of the next month, you're going to make up way more than that hour. Once you find what's most efficient in your, in your space, what's most efficient in your you know current setup uh, and and then you're going to have over the long run just exponential uh, increase in the amount of time you have available. Yeah, and I wanted to add to that the other part that they had discussed on top of that was if the time value was worth picking up the item. Yeah, that was huge. Like I, I you know, I've thought about that, but you think about it, especially I think about vintage electronics. Remember, you were very big into vintage electronics when you first started, uh -huh. and then over time you kind of moved away. You yep. still like it, and you still source it, but. You know, is it worth like you could pick up a jacket that will make you $50 profit or you could pick up that VCR, which will make you $50 profit <laughs> and you got to value which is going to take more time. Yeah. I mean, one of them, you might have to do measurements, uh, but the other one, you literally have to test out a few different ways, right? Like I have some DVD VCR combos that are DVD VCR recorders. And sometimes I just with those we will do here's I'm testing it with the DVD in. I'm testing it with the VHS. I'm showing that it works. But can I possibly test every single function that is capable on this machine? Uh, I mean, maybe, but that's going to take a long time, right? There's if, even with stuff you have at your house, like, you know, there's certain things like, oh, well, if, if, if you press the play button after pressing the forward button, then it pauses. And so you have to. So unless you intimately know the product, you're not going to be able to test everything. So then that then causes you to have to be more honest in your 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 listings and say, like, here are the things that I've tested. Here's what it shows. Have not tested this or this. Right. Because. I don't know if the DVD recorder part works because I didn't test that. I, it's a DVD recorder. The DVD part works. So I, I'll put in there. And so then do you shave some some cost off and then the amount of time? Like It is an extremely time intensive process to test certain electronics. Whereas 
in a store to test pants. It's like, look at it. Are there holes? Yeah. Put your hands in the pockets. Does the zipper work? Does the, all right, you're done, right? So it's a much quicker process to test clothes. Uh, and if you can get the same ROI, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And one thing I do want to add to that, you got to think th- sell-through rate too, though, right? Because clothing is a very saturated market. So your item might sit longer if it, instead of the DVD recorder, which may sell faster. So you got to take all those things into consideration because I think one of the things we, we don't talk about much is sell-through rate, like how fast do items sell. Now, I know why we don't, because we're long-tail sellers. At least I, <laughs> I, I Mike's kind of, you know, I know you like fast nickel on some things. But, you know, for me, it's like, listen and forget it. But I think now as, you know, we're moving with promoted listings, as, you know, these item specifics are kicking in, or hopefully by now they've kicked in, or, whatever, you know, as eBay is moving more towards this route of trying to get things to sell faster, it's sell-through rate is going to matter too. So you got to measure if, if the time you're spending is going to be good enough for an item, you know, to maybe sit a month or two months or three months to get that money back, right? That's another part of don't make time your enemy is don't make the time that something sits your enemy and you have money tied up. So you got to think sell-through rate also. Yeah, sell-through rate is important. And then even along those same lines, we've already talked about shipping, but this kind of goes along the same oh, process yeah. of what do you pick up? And shipping a VCR takes a lot more time than shipping a shipping a, a mm-hmm. jacket or a shirt, right? So you've got to consider that part too is the amount of time it takes, not just the testing, but the packing and the shipping, um, even the storing, right? Like it, it's, if you've got a good system set up for clothes, it could be just seconds to get the right mm-hmm. clothing item out. If you've got, you know, lots of electronics stacked on each other, you might have to move like five electronics before you can get yours out. And then you got to put those back. And, and so the amount of time it takes you even just to move a product from shelf to box, uh, you've got to consider that too. Yeah, that is, I will tell you, I've had those experiences where I've sold an electronic and I'm 30 minutes into packing and going, why? why? Yeah. Like, why did I list this? Was this worth it? Like I had to bubble wrap it. I had to float the box. I yeah. had to make sure the corners were, you know, padded well enough. I had to tape it. I had to, it took a lot of work where I had another item that, you know, it was really easy. It was already in the box. All I had to do was, you know, slap a label on it. Right. Yeah. So when you're sourcing in order to make your time efficient, you got to think about how much time is it going to take you from point A to the final step of shipping the item out. Yep. Right. So that's good. All right. The other item is, you know, about planning out your times is days of the week. I think that's huge. I, especially when you're full time, I'm speaking to myself because I found that when I had, when I went full time and I've shared this before, I thought I had a ton of time on my hands. I'm like, Oh, I can source tomorrow. I can source next week. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't need to plan out. And what ended up happening was I was wasting a lot of time, right? So, and I'm not saying you have to have a set schedule every week. Like, hey, Monday, Tuesday, I'm doing this. Wednesday, I'm sourcing. Thursday, I'm taking pictures. Friday. Now, there there are some people that do that very well. Yeah. There's some that they'll take all their pictures on one day and they'll put them in drafts and then they'll list all another day. They'll go sourcing for eBay one day. They'll go sourcing for Amazon another day. That's one way to do it. Or you can do it week by week and go, okay, the way this week looks I'm going to take care of all my eBay stuff by Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, I'm going to do FBA. Wednesday, I'm going to pack all my FBA. I'm going to go back to eBay sourcing on Thursday and so on. But in order not to lose time, I really think you got to have that planned out or you end up going, you know what? This is good for Amazon. This is good for eBay. You come home and you have all this junk that you have to sort through. Then you have to put together an FBA shipment. But wait, 
What are you going to do with all these eBay things you got to list? You can get yourself in a real big quandary if you're not careful. So planning out your week is super important. Yeah, I kind of, I don't, I don't know if this is a phrase people use before, but it just came to mind is this idea of like structured fluidity, right? Like you've got to have, I think you should be structured with how you're using the days of your week and the times it should be consistent. But then you also have to be fluid when it's, you know, Q4 comes or this week looks different Mm -hmm. or there's a sale happening or maybe I'm running low on inventory. So I'm going to change. So you have to be willing to be fluid and adapt, but you should also have some sort of a structure that you're adapting based on. Right. So it's not, I think it would be a bad idea to just go into every day or every week, just kind of like, we'll see. Right. Like, I think you should have a few structures that you kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, a skeleton of of a plan and then it adapts and morphs depending, but you should have, you know, probably there's a few different key ones that you're going to be returning to over and over and having that structure. I mean, I just think about it with kids, right? Like as humans, we're very like creatures of habit. Think about it. Like when you go into a room, a meeting and you sit at a desk, the next time you go into that room, you're probably going to go towards that same desk, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're very structured kids. They do well. They thrive on structure. Things need to be structured. And yet in our own lives and businesses, we often kind of go with this like loosey goosey and we lose the structure which could be a big part of what helps us, not just with productivity, but sometimes just sanity, just feeling like you're in control of something. So I do think you should have a certain element of structure, how you're using those days of week, but then also being free to say, unless I need to adapt. And if I do adapt, it's going to be structured. It's not just going to be, well, who knows? Yeah, I agree. And so for instance, mine is I have four days that I really work hard. The other three, I don't. I mean, I still do recently stuff, but the first day, I take care of as many eBay listings as I can because the next two days I'm going to be doing strictly Amazon, right? So my goal is to go sourcing the next day, all day Amazon, next day, the first part of the day, Amazon. And then no matter where I'm at, I stop and I get that shipment done and I send it out because the next day I'm back to eBay, right? So that's kind of my structure, but it does ebb and flow, right? If there's a hot item or whatever I got to source or, you know, there's a bulk deal that I get contacted. Well, you kind of got to rearrange it, but as long as you have something in mind, you have something to go to. Right. And I know a lot of us as entrepreneurs, I hate calling myself an entrepreneur. I think I'm just somebody who has entrepreneur tendencies. I, <laughs> yeah. That's weird. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see myself as that because again, I keep saying this. I'm not the, Hey, I'm willing to, you know, go thousands of dollars into debt to make things happen. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of like, but you do every year before I, I, I do, but it's, it's a safe one. Mm. Like if, if Amazon didn't have the ranking system, I couldn't do it. Mm. Because the ranking system pretty much tells you like this is going to sell. Now, there's competitors and there's tanking and there's all that. But pretty much odds are in your favor. Yeah. Right. But I say all that. What was I, what was I, what was I talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> I did not know Mike. What was that? Entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Okay. Okay. But before, oh, that's what I was saying. I have a, I'm, I'm kind of a free spirit kind of guy. Like I don't like a lot of structure. Right. Because I get this nine to five feeling like if I'm too structured, that I have to be in the office at this time and I have to leave at this time. But there has to be some kind of structure and then you could be free within that structure. Right. So just something to think about. All right. Let's talk about switching it up. So I think it's important to make your time efficient that you change where you source. Where? Yeah. Okay. Where? And this is why. Where and when. Okay. I know I wrote in the notes when. <laughs> That's why you asked me that. But I, I think it's both, right? Because what ends up happening, you get you get kind of stuck in this right. And if it's working for you, then you keep doing it. But what ends up happening 
you're just used to going to certain stores at the same time or going when there's these certain deals. And what happens is, uh, you talked about this, you lose that curiosity, but at the same time, you end up losing time because you're so dependent on things happening in a certain way that you don't know if, if you switch things up. If you go to a store closing, you may find more items than your normal, hey, when it was opening. And so you may be able to cut you down your time where you you go, hey, I'm going to go to the store 15 minutes till closing and I'm going to find a bunch of items. And you do. You'll find those items. Instead of getting up in the morning, you get there when it when it's open and then you could spend an hour and you may not find stuff. So I just say this is it's good to switch it up every once in a while because stores also switch things up. One of the things I can't stand about the store that shall not be named is that they're always changing. Like you'll go into a store, you know, everything's in a certain rack. And then a week later, they switch the whole store around. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they got to keep it fresh, man. They do, but it doesn't help me. I remember the days where they had these two simple racks and I could go through the racks and look at shoes and clothing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then they changed that and then went with the round racks. So I, I'm a big believer is you got to switch up what time you go. I also believe you need to switch up where you go. And the reason I say that is, again, you might, and it, it's the same thing, right? When and where, if you, whichever one you switch is going to change the other, yep. right? But again, it, it keeps things fresh and you might find new things to cut down your time that you didn't know about before. Am I making sense here? Yeah, no, it's good. It's true. Um, so yeah, when and where, I think, I think it's, it's good to know if you can develop those relationships, when are places stocking that might be, be beneficial or or kind of just learning and if they change how they have things set up. So again, that's one of those things where it's a a risk and an, a potential investment, right? If you say like, hey, I always go to the store and it opens and I do well, but I'm going to try going when it closes, you might not do so well. So it might have lost. But then now you have that knowledge and you know, okay, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. Or, hey, it seems like they stock towards the end of the night, you know? And so it's just kind of figuring out what what each place, and that takes time, right? Like the longer you're doing something, the more you understand about it. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. And where too, I think, I mean, there's this in- interesting principle, even with like farming where farmers will like farm a certain type of crop for like a while on a, on a land. And then they'll either give, I never know where Mike's going to go with these. I give, love it when he just drops random stuff. Like they'll this. give the land like a rest, like a year where they don't do it, or they completely change what type of crop they're doing on it because it takes different nutrients and they've got to let that, the land like kind of recuperate and, and change so that way it's good to go for following years and you're going to have a better crop and so it could be the same thing with stores right like if you're always going to one store and you're always picking it dry of items it might be worthwhile to give that store a week or two break go to some other places drive a little further away and if you're the one in that niche at that store those items are going to build up and then when you go instead of going every day to get one or two items you go once every couple of weeks and you're getting all of them that have been kind of sitting there so it's it's definitely possible that even giving a store some rest might be beneficial if you have other stores you can go to. If that's your only store, well, you know, you're stuck, right? Yeah. But if there's other ways, if there's other places, you know, maybe you do, you will lose something. Somebody's going to pick up a pair of shoes that you missed out on because you weren't there. But at the same time, you're finding out and you're learning other places and you never know. You go back and you're like, Hey, here's a week's worth of stuff. And one of them's now 50% off because it's been a week and nobody's picked it up. And if I would have came the first day it came out, I would have grabbed them. Right. So you might end up making money. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. No, I agreed. And, and let me just give you an example. So there was a store that I would always go to 
right before I was closing. And the reason I went there is because they were kind enough for me to source after they closed. So I would be kind of like the only person in that store. Well, what ended up happening, I would do that almost every, I would do that two, three times a week. And it was really successful for a long time. Mm. But what ended up happening is what I noticed is I would get in there, you know, 15 minutes till, and I'd be there half hour after. And it'd be a good 45 minutes. And over time, I noticed that I was picking up less and less and less. And so I was actually losing time because I would keep looking and going, there has to be something. I'm the only person here. Like I need to be able to find something. Right. And then I said, you know, I'm going to go in the morning. I'm going to go there when it opens. And what ended up happening is when I would go in the morning, I would find more stuff within the first 15 minutes than I had previously in the last 15 and when the store was open after for me, <laughs> when they let me stay. So again, that's why I say you got to switch this up. This just from experience. So that store now, I will, I hardly ever go there anymore. But if I, I were, were to go now, chances are more likely I'm going to go in the daytime because it'll be more efficient use of my time than later on, because obviously they change when they stock or whatever. Something has changed that I, I'm going to be losing a lot more time going on later in the day. So all right. The other thing is learning new niches. It's good. Can definitely help your time. And you say it's good. Why do you say it's good? I, I think it's it's so easy to get locked into one. We talked about the 80-20 principle, right? We did. I think it was four-hour work week. And it's such a great principle for so many areas of life. And I think the interesting thing is twenty knowing 20% of something of a, of a field gets you about 80% of the benefit. Then learning the other 80% of that field only gets you an extra 20% benefit, right? So if you learn certain type of shoes, you can learn just a, enough to know what's beneficial, or you can spend, you know, probably years learning about different fabrics and what years and what thread counts and all this stuff. But is it going to actually get you more money? Maybe, but not tons. But we get oftentimes sucked into one niche. Whereas if you realize, Probably in a couple of weeks, if you spent like a week or two, hour or two a day, just researching what's selling in a certain niche, right? Whether it's camera lenses or whether it's uh, microphones or whether it's printers or whatever it is you're trying to look up, how much are they selling for on eBay? Which brands sell for the most? What are they selling for shipping? How often do you find them? You can learn a niche probably in a week or two enough to be get you 80% of the potential benefit you can get out of it. And it's the same thing with education. Like you look at people who get their bachelor's degree and then get their master's degree. By the time they get to their doctorate's degree, they just know a whole lot more about less of that field, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're only in a few niches, the more you learn about that niche, you're just learning more and more about less and less, actually, huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. And so can that get you more benefit? Maybe. But if you spend a year learning a Such little a bit point. more about one field, you might net an extra 10% over the year because you know that much more than anybody else. But if you were to spend that time to learn four more niches and just know the basics of them, you'd probably be making 10 times more than that. 10x. 10x it, man. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. And so, you know, this is something we haven't touched on a lot. But, you know, if you're new, instead of wasting that time sourcing at a thrift store and not, you know, and again, it's not... I shouldn't use the word waste, but instead of spending an absorbent amount of time at a thrift store looking up each item, maybe spending that half hour, Mike was doing this early on, 
looking at shoes, looking at boots, like what sells for good money, that'll save you a lot more time than being in a thrift store and, you know, single-handedly picking up each item, looking it up. Yeah. And I think it's both. I, I think there's a combination of both, right? Like if you, if you're only looking for, let's say sneakers and you never look at dress shoes, um, you're probably going to have to spend a little bit of time in a thrift store looking at brands until you realize like, hey, I see this brand every single thrift store. Sometimes that's just enough. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm looking for like, there's been a few times like when I was trying to learn um, Hawaiian shirts where I would, you know, text or and I'm like, is this a good brand? Is this a good brand? But eventually you just kind of know where it's like, if I see this brand, if I see three of these shirts on the rack of the same brand and every thrift store I go to, I see that brand. It's probably not that good. But it's scarcity is not there. Yeah. But if I see a brand, a label I've never seen before, it sparks my interest. So even though I don't look up every shirt now, sometimes I just flip through racks and I'm like, yep, seen that brand, seen that brand, seen that brand over and over and over. Ooh, I've never seen this before. Or I rarely see this. Mm-hmm. That lets you know to look up. So just having that awareness and seeing seeing things enough times let you know, you know, and, and can kind of learn a niche. So you can learn a niche without even doing a lot of research just by the how often your your eyes are on the product, right? So again, that's time you got to spend. But if you're like, you know, I don't know anything about shirts, so I'm not going to go through the shirt aisle. Well, you know, an extra 10 minutes in each store in the shirt aisle over a few months might end up making you pretty knowledgeable in shirts. So And you save a ton of time. Yep. Right. Time is not your enemy. And it's the whole goal here is trying to make efficient use of your time. And the other thing, and this is the more controversial one, just take a break. If you're you know, the word people don't like using the word burnout. I think it's a swear word in reselling. Right. It really is because it's like the ultimate death nail like it is it's like the end like once you feel burnt out a lot of people just roll out of reselling mm. right and i get it it's a grind it really is like, and we've been saying that since day one and this is i've said it in instagram full-time reselling is not for the week like it, it is a grind yeah i sometimes we get accused of of selling a dream and i don't know if we've ever done that right? no like, there is no dream I, I, I mean i don't know if it's a dream per se it could be something else it, no i mean it can be like yeah. uh, your goal help you to fulfill your dreams but reselling in and of itself is not get rich quick it's just not and mm-hmm. if that's what you're hoping for if you're like tuning into this and you're like how can i make a million dollars next week on fba on private label like maybe there's a few people who are doing that but like the type of reselling that the the average hard hustler is putting in it's a lot of work and there's tons of benefits. Like it's not. Just and and it bad. does calm down. I want to let you know, it does calm down, but to get to a place where it calms down, it is a lot of hustle. Yeah. And I think, I think that idea of taking a break is good because should your break be extended? And we talked about this when we did the four hour work week, this idea of like micro vacations where you're just like every year you take four, two month vacations. It's like, well, that's a little extreme, but <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Can, can you get to a place where you say, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of days. I'm going to take one day a week, or I'm going to take a week every four months, or I'm going to take, you've got to figure out what works for you. And I know for me personally, like I need a day every week where I'm not going, 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 going. And I haven't had that for a long time. Like for a long time, I was basically busy all the time, whether it was work or whether it was uh, my ed- like I was going through my master's program and then I was reselling and all of these other things going on in life that it, it just was impossible to take that day off. And I tell you what, I got closer to burnout during that period of my life than any other period of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like, I can't do anything else ever again. I'm quitting everything, right? Like put me in a hospital or something because I'm that, <laughs> I'm that overwhelmed, you know? And I think for me, I know me personally, I do better with like 
one day a week of like almost just being bored of like, man, there's nothing to do right now. All right. I guess I'll read a book. You want to get bored. I, I yeah. would say it's a good thing to get bored because it makes you hungry. Yep. And then for some people, that might not be what they need. Like some people might need a week off, right? Where it's like, you know what? I can go seven days a week for two months, but then I need to take like four days off or something where it's like a longer period of time where they can actually kind of recover a little bit. And I've heard some people say that unless you can take like at least two weeks off, it's not going to actually help you like mentally recuperate. I think that was... Uh, uh, was it four-hour working? No, it wasn't four-hour Who's the 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 guy who wrote the, the 10X? Oh, Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. I think I think it was him that m- made a comment like that. Maybe it was Gary Vee, but somebody said like, unless you're able to I don't to think take- Gary Vee goes on vacation. Okay, so- <laughs> I'm joking. I think it, yeah, I think it was Grant Cardone in another book. And he basically said like, unless you could take like two or three weeks off completely, like taking a week off, in, in his opinion, doesn't do anything. Like it just is enough to like not reset you. But I don't know. There's some people who that might be enough. For me, the one day a week's enough to reset. Some people you might need a week. Other people, like maybe you need a month. Maybe you go hard and you just work seven days a week, 11 months out of the year, and then you set yourself up to be off for a month. I mean, I don't know. You've got to figure out what works for you, but you there's got to be some time built in there for a break, whether it's in a day, week, a month, I don't know, something. Yeah, my experience has been, you know, I've done the, and I still do, because <laughs> I can... I can hustle for a long time before I'm like burnt out. I and I rarely get burnt out, but that's just I think it's just my DNA. It's not a good trait, by the way. I think it's I, I, no, it, it is a good trait. I don't, I don't know because I know, but you remember my days when I was a VP? Like I'd put in sixteen to twenty hour days, like every day mm-hmm. for months on end, and I brought that over into my reselling life too. But it's it's one of those things where I always found that it's if you're tired and you're exhausted having one really solid productive day is better than having seven exhausted days. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's so true because, you know, especially when you're a full-time race line, it's so easy when you're exhausted to be like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to sit here for a while and do this. Like somebody had commented uh, on my FBA shipments. It's funny. Hugo and Tiffany give me a hard time sometimes for so quick, ship quick. Like when I go to their place and I go sourcing, I put together an FBA shipment. Like in two hours, I'm done. Like it's fast. It's because that's how they roll. Mm. When it's just me, it could be a six, eight hour affair. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, oh, oh I'm kind of tired. I'm going to put some Netflix. You know what? I'm going to make myself some lunch. Like it just takes a process. Right. And so I'm not making efficient use of my time. I'm glad you, I'm glad you're willing to admit that. I think that's a good place to be. <laughs> well, I kind of like it too, though, you know, in the sense that, I know it sounds bad, but I don't feel as hurried because when I was part time, when I was doing the VP stuff, you know, all I had was two, three hours a night. So I had to hustle in those two, three hours. Now I have a little more time, but it also can get dangerous because if a shipment's only taking me two hours to put together and I'm spending six to eight hours, that's bad. You know, I like it. I'm saying I like it in the sense that it's fun, but it's not good for business. Yeah. If you're looking at (laughs) maximizing your time, being efficient. Yeah. I think there's a place to be set for that. I mean, there's times when I'm grading papers for, you know, for work. And as I'm grading, like I've got a YouTube video on in the background or something and enough that like it slows me down, right? Because mm-hmm. my attention is divided. Yeah. And so I go slower, but I enjoy my time or I could pound it all out in half the amount of time, but it's going to be miserable. And so I do think there's a place kind of finding that balance of your own happiness. Um, now, two hours to eight hours. That might be a bit much. Okay, so maybe I'm gotta, a, I might be embellishing a little bit. I I do think there have been those times that it has been eight hours though. Yeah. So, but you know, you really get stuck on something, and you know, you 
label things a little bit slower. You know, it just, it just happens. You gotta label faster, man. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'll make it happen. Maybe if you're using that uh that thermal printer more, you'd be labeling faster. Oh my goodness, a thermal printer. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna take this off for a while we talk about that. But hey, let's take a break real quick. And so, hey, it's, yeah, it's perfect timing, right? We talk about break. Let's go to break. So we're not on a break, so don't go anywhere. Okay, but if you haven't been following us yet on Instagram, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram. We're also Pure Hustle Podcast on Facebook, and we're Pure Hustle Podcast on TikTok. Thank you, all you guys that are coming over from TikTok that have been listening to our podcast. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. We'll go live eventually on TikTok. I'm really interested in, in the TikTok audience. Yep. Hit or miss. <laughs> Hit or miss. All right. So if you're on TikTok, you know what he was just referring to. All right. Hey, we're also Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. And if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't caught us on YouTube, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on YouTube. Hit that bell button. Hit that notification. And hey, hit those likes. That helps us a lot on the search, you know, and especially sometimes when, you know, somebody isn't happy with us and they put that thumbs down. Oh, I know. It hurts. It, it does hurt. It hurts just a little, though, but it hurts. But hey, those thumbs up really help us up in the search. And uh, we're always grateful for all of you that follow us on social media. Hey, we're always dropping different items there that we don't drop on the podcast. And same thing with YouTube. Sometimes we're dropping our PHP clips. So follow us there. And also, if you know you ever want to give us a call, you can hit us up 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You know, I kind of wish we could do the Gary V thing where it's like, we'll text you. That's his new thing, texting. Wouldn't hmm. that be cool? I think you could text through uh through the Google account. Go. I don't. I don't know how many people would want that. I'm not a big fan. I don't like getting my bills texted to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so maybe we won't go down that road. Uh, and you could also email us purosapodcast at gmail.com. That's purosapodcast at gmail.com. And as always, yeah. if you want to say thank you in a monetary way, there is a link below. Thank you to all of you that you know consistently are are donating and saying, "Hey, I made money on my shipping here. Thanks to you guys." Or I sourced this item and made a little profit. Want to help you guys out? Thank you so much. And as always. I want to really want to say a huge thank you to the latest reviews that have been written. I uh, thank you for all of them. The last few, remember we were talking about these yeah. earlier. Honestly, that's like the most encouraging. Like when now there, I, I'm going to be split here. Part of me says, if, <laughs> if you don't want to take the time, if you just want to go on and just give us the stars, uh, that, that more than anything else you can do helps us out at PRS yes. podcast. If you can go onto iTunes and just drop us five stars, you could, you could do whatever is fair, but like, you know, give us a review. <laughs> no, only five. <laughs> That's it. If you could give us a review, like that helps us so much. You don't even have to write anything. But when you do write things, like we read all of them. So like those right there, like there's times where Orlando and I are like, oh man, this is like rough. Do we really want to like do another episode this week? Like, should we like, and then we read a review and it's like, man, like. Yep, we're sold. Yep, we're going to keep doing we're this. We're going to keep doing this. Like we're, we're, we're making a difference in people's lives. They appreciate what we're doing and that it helps us out so much. Not just in the, in the search because that's how people find us is the iTunes like it makes a big difference but also it keeps our encouragement up and it keeps us mm -hmm. motivated so thank you very very much yeah I, I'm serious it, it it made our day I I mean it made our week I mean they're just good thank you guys and I think it's we're time. ready for that special time All right, it's time for our next session so we're gonna take a quick uh, break away from talking about making time your enemy and we're gonna be moving to come on hustlers it's the freaking hustle of the week yeah that is so good we got can we play it one more time all right one just more one time. more time it's that good come on hustlers it's the freaking hustle of the week so good you know i gotta i gotta get up to mike he never ceases to amaze me <laughs> he tells me random stuff about his life i never knew 
he does random like if you ever watch so mike is a pretty i don't know you're a pretty conservative guy like you like in public you're not like grandstanding or uh, that's just yeah, that's yeah. just not you. i'm introverted yeah. you're introverted but man if you ever watch some of our youtube videos yeah. there's some things we do on tiktok or whatever it's like there's a whole other side of mike that i don't know about which i'm intrigued by it's good it's good so with that being said that's a sweet hustle of the week mike so, all right, let's get to the article of the week. All right. So the first one comes from Jordan. His IG handle is at Upstate Picker. So he's a self-proclaimed electronics nerd. I love it. That's a good place to be. That's a good niche to be in. Uh, so got to an estate sale hours late and noticed an item with tubes, which usually can mean valuable. So he picked up a Burroughs B7971 Nixie 6 tubes in a custom hanging enclosure, uh, which I'm... I like electronics. I've got no idea what you're talking about there, but so, it sounds amazing. So way to find it is go to hashtag hustle week on Instagram and you'll find it there. Okay. I need to look it up because it sounds interesting. I need to, sounds like a niche I should be in because he sold it for $600. Boom. $600. And he was late. Like that just goes to show like sometimes you're like, oh, is it worth it going to the state sale? It's already been running for a few hours. Shows up hours late and still is able to find a great deal. So great job, Jordan. Killed it. Yeah. I. <laughs> and again, I. the reason I brought up the Hustle of the Week was if you're not following that hashtag, you should be following it. There, and we say this all the time, but there's so many bolos. It, it's kind of like something that people are doing it, even though we're not able to shout out everybody. Right. I do try to shout out on Instagram. Actually, last night on our Instagram story, we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, we I actually posted a bunch of the Hustle Week and it was so awesome to mm. shout people out. So if you're not, you have Hustle Week, hashtag Hustle of the Week on Instagram and we'll find it. Yeah. All right, so this next one I love sharing because whenever we share something on the podcast and somebody takes action on it and they make profit, I love hearing about it. And this is a repeat hustle of the week couple. So this is Andrew and Veronica. Their IG handle is thrifting underscore PNW. Okay, so let me make sure I got the spelling right on this one. So it's thrifting without a T, uh, without a G at the end, underscore PNW. Got that? Hopefully everybody's there. Okay. All right, so. They ended up hearing about our holy Stetson hats. And when I mean holy, I don't mean like holy, like sanctified. I mean, holy, like there's holes in the hats all over it. So garbage. <laughs> so Pretty much trash. You can call it. Gar- I don't think it's garbage. But so I've I've talked about these and this was actually one of the bolos because I lately I've not been able to hold on to a Stetson hat for too long. And they sold for good money, no matter the condition. So found a Stetson hat in the kids section of a thrift store. And they picked it up. It was for 99 cents. They put it at auction. And it was a vintage 50s Stetson Royal Deluxe Open Road Western Fedora hat. Mm-hmm. 52 bids later, sold for $152.50. Nice. Like, number one, it's nice because it was a messed up hat. Yeah. Number two, they went auction on it. And it made me reconsider. Maybe that's something I need to do. If something's really messed up and I'm not sure I'm going to get money out of it, just put it in auction and let the market decide. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way. That's a good way of thinking. Cause I mean, when you're doing the long, the long tail, you're doing the the slow dime, you might be thinking I can get top dollar for this if I wait. But if you really just don't know what it's worth and you list it too high, you might not ever get it or you might list it too low and then you lose money. But if you do auction, yeah, you might lose some money if it's not auctioned at the right time. The right buyers aren't looking for it. But at least, yeah, the market is kind of deciding and you might end up making more than you thought or you'll get what it was actually worth. So Yeah, and I'll put my disclaimer. Be super careful. 
right? Only something that you're willing to lose for a dollar. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, hey, this paid off. I'm, I was super impressed. So yeah. Great job. All right. What else you got? All right. So the next one comes from uh, Instagram handle at Carpe underscore deal. Uh, so this is uh, this one is super awesome. It actually it warms my heart to think about because it came from listening to our synthesizer bolo. So this person found a synthesizer at an estate sale for $10. It was priced low because it couldn't play. What they didn't know is they had to hook up speakers to it. So like the synthesizer that, <laughs> oh that we were goodness. using a couple episodes ago, um, they're not like the the electronic pianos that you can get or keyboards you can get at stores where like you push the buttons and they play. You actually have to hook it up to a soundboard or to speakers in order to get the sound out of it. And so the, the people selling it didn't realize that. So they priced it low. Uh, they didn't know they had to hook it up. Um, this person prices it to sell, didn't think it would sell, and it sold in 12 hours. And it was a Roland Juno G128 voice expandable synthesizer, 62 keyboard MIDI song recorder. Um, it sold it for $395 with free shipping. And I think I mentioned when I talked about um, synthesizers, I mentioned the brand Roland because I had a Roland SH201. That's what I played back in the day. And so I love hearing that. So I played back yeah. in the day. So those two brands, like if you're ever at a thrift store or at a garage sale and you see a Roland or a Korg, and I'm sure there's other, um, you know, MIDI keyboards or synthesizer brands that are just as good, but I, I know those two. And so if you see a Korg, K-O-R-G or a Roland, there's a good chance, even some Yamahas. Now you got to be careful with the Yamahas, but like if you see those brands, I would say look up comps. If you're seeing Casio, pass right by it. Except if they're small keyboards. Some small keyboards are money. Yeah, I mean, you never know, but... Do your research, but yeah. So I love that one. I I, I mean, again, I love all these ideas. Speaking of which, I I feel bad even saying this right now, uh, but I just got an offer for my... uh, Oh, no. Come on now. We're not making this happen. Oh, looks like like my wife counter-offered, so we will see if they come back. It might sell on this episode. I'm surprised you didn't take that initial offer. That was a good offer. It was a good offer, but my wife is no joke, man. She she, she will get top dollar for stuff, man. She knows what she's doing. I'm looking at it right now. I don't want to let it go. Oh, are you going to buy it? Uh, no. <laughs> but it's so... Now, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe maybe we just buy a MIDI keyboard. I don't know. I just... I really love the synthesizer. It's kind of cool. sad. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, Jordan, IG Handle, Upstate Picker. Thank you, Andrew Veronica. Thrifting without the G underscore PNW. And thank you, uh, Carpe underscore deal on Instagram. Sorry, we didn't get, I think you didn't get back to us with your first name. So I, I don't have your first name. So my apologies, but love the synthesizer flip that you did. That was awesome. Super legit. So you want to share your hustle of the week? Yeah. So um, mine, I don't know if I talked about this a while back. I got a, I was at a garage sale and it was actually towards the end of the day and I was kind of over it. It wasn't a great day. And I show up to this one house and I see a old like camcorder with a nice lens. I say nice lens. It was a a different type of lens, kind of almost like an old school TV camcorder type camera. And I see this thing and I didn't know if it was worth money. And a lot of times you look up that stuff and I feel like they're just never worth money. And so I didn't even bring my phone out of the car. I forgot. And so I like memorized what it was called. I go back to my car and I look it up and I see that they're actually worth money. Right. And I'm like, ooh. And it's never good when you go to your car and then you come back. Like I feel like yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of negotiating yeah. skills or negotiating ability then. But I go back and I ask them how much for this camera. And I think they said like 10 bucks. And I was like, oh. And I can't remember how much they sell for now, but I know it's 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 over a hundred. So Were you like, making time your enemy at that moment? 
I don't think so. I, I was I was gonna, you know, you can negotiate. I feel like negotiating is good. Now okay, I could have okay. gone too long. I was like 10 bucks. I was like, uh, would you do five? And they were like, Yeah, we'll do five. But it was in this case, and they say, Well, and I think it was five, I don't know exactly, but it was inside this case, and then they're like, But the case is also five or whatever they're charging. And I was like, Oh man. And I was like, that's fine. Like it's already nice padding. I don't want to like just throw it in my car, like here, take the money. So basically they got what they originally asked mm -hmm. for and I got the case. Well, I get home and I realize that the case isn't just a just a case. It's it's actually like a piece of luggage that they they repurposed into a case with like padding really? on the inside. And the luggage was Samsonite luggage. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that guy make make money off of this. When my wife was going through our our inventory reserves and she was listing things. And I she love how you worded that. <laughs> inventory reserves. Yeah. Uh, so she lists the camera and she was just going to sell the case as part of the deal because it kind of like all fit together. And she looked it up and the Samsonite is like a vintage Samsonite case. And the, the it's like a luggage, like a small piece of luggage. This luggage sells for over a hundred dollars. Nice. And so we took the padding out of it. We're gonna like package the camera up in the padding and then sell the case separately. So basically, oh, one purchase got two things. So it's kind of it's it's happened a long time ago, but I, I it's my hustle of the week because it was just this week that we realized that this split is actually going to be much more profitable than I realized. That is awesome. I you I, those surprises are that's one of the reasons I love reselling. Yep. Because when you get those surprise because. I mean, that's not my hustle of the week, but I've had this bulk buy with these trains that I've kept talking about. And these, this wasn't my one from a year ago. I still have need to list those, but I had this last bulk buy of, of trains and the items I thought were junk are actually selling. And here's the catch. And maybe this should have been my hustle of the week, but I had a bunch of junk pieces I showed on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, sometimes the bulk buys, you got to separate the junk. Well, I've had people contact me and saying, Hey, why don't you lot those up together? And, uh, I'll make you, you know, I'll make an offer. And if you could ship it here, I'm like, what? I was just going to, um, toss this. Like, I didn't tell them that, but like, Whoa, there's still money. And that was a nice surprise. Right. So hopefully by next time I'll be able to share that as my hustle of the week. Yeah. Okay. Now here's my hustle of the week. <laughs> So I went to uh, Office Depot when it was, some stores were liquidating back in June. And I want to drop a YouTube video. It's just been super busy. But I went to a bunch of Office Depots in the SoCal area that were closing down. And one of them, they had these pens. And these pens sold for about $12 retail at Office Depot. And they were on 90% clearance. And then it was like another... 10% if you bought 12 or more. So I'm like, huh, am I going to go big or am I going to go home? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this and, and I thought about it for a while because the worst thing would be to buy a bunch of junk and I don't make any money on it. Right. And it's one of the reasons I didn't, well, I didn't share this on Instagram because you know, I don't want people to know the specific things I was picking up. So I said, I go big. I bought 700 sets of pens at 67 cents. Whoa. Yeah. At 67 cents each. Right. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm willing to sell the smaller items, right? If they are consistently sell and there's a nice profit over time. Well, I did the math, right? So I think I paid, it was probably like around $470. I hope I did my right. I think it was like 469 for all 700 sets. Right. Now, if I sell each of them for about 10 to $12, I'm easily going to make $5,000 or more. Right. And in order for me to make back that $470, I have to sell, let's say I sell 70 sets, right? That's already going to, at $10 a piece, that's $700. Now, my question on that, are you selling these FBA? I'm doing both. Okay, so 
if you're selling them for ten to twelve dollars, what's your actual net profit margin on them though? Like seven bucks. Okay, that's eight good. bucks. Not bad, you know. Yeah. And again, there's nothing I have to do. I send it to FBA. I sent you know a few hundred, and then I list them on eBay. I have them you know in my storage, and they've been selling. And so the reason I'm sharing this now is my hustle week. I'm to the place where I'm gonna break even now. I want to talk to you after this about those pens. I like pens. I might buy one from you. Okay. <laughs> Top dollar for Mike. No. So I'm at the place where I'm going to break even and I still have another 600 or so pens. And so from now on, no matter how bad things get, I'll still keep selling these pens. Love it. And every single piece will be profit. So look for those opportunities. Again, it's risky. You know, I dropped almost $500. It was a risky buy, but I look at the macro and the long term, and it definitely was worth it. And here's the funny thing. I thought I was going to sell most of them during back to school season. No, they're selling now, hmm. which I don't understand why, but I'm good with it. Hey. So that is my hustle of the week. I love it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Can we play Can we play the sound one more time just to close us off? All right. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. All right. There you have it. Okay. Now let's get back to, you know, the last point here, right? To make time not your enemy, you got to think about when you best thrive. And I think this can be broken up into different things. First of all, during the week, what days of the week are you best? Are you most productive? So for example, I am the least productive on Fridays. It's just, it's bad. It's just, I guess it's because I'm kind of not in hustle mode because I've been hustling the last few days. And then I know garage sales are the next day. So I'm really pumped about it. So Saturday, I am the most, it is my busiest day of the week from garage sales to processing the garage sales to taking care of FBA. Then I got family stuff. I'm moving, but I know that if I set things up for that day, things are going to get cranking. But I do know if I try to do any Amazon FBA stuff on a Saturday, it's going to be a mess. Mm. Now I know when I source for Amazon, I'm at my best on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays in the daytime when there's no crowds. I find that when there's a lot of people in a store, I'm not as productive. Like I just, I waste a lot of time. I get anxiety. I just don't like it. So does that make sense what I'm saying here? Yeah. And, and I think even too, like you said, like maybe your experience would be different if, if you weren't hustling all week long Fridays, if Friday wasn't your Friday, you know what I mean? Like if mm -hmm. it was your Monday, it would be different. So I do think part of that is is just going to be based off of your current system. But yeah, I think days of the week is important to realize like certain days, it could even be like other activities you have. Your kids might have, you know, sports games on certain days. Or you might have certain activities that you go to or certain, you know, I don't know, shows you watch is like it's a non-negotiable for you. Like every Thursday night, like my wife and I have like a date night and we watch, you know, Big Brother or Survivor or something like that. Right. So you might have those days where because of those non-negotiable time commitments, you're just not going, you're going to, you're going to schedule your, your week around that. And I think you got to mm -hmm. be wise about that and not, not schedule things for days that you know, it's not going to fit in. And, and there's an interest, interesting, um, process. I can't remember what the exact number was, but there's kind of like a fudge number that everybody has on like how long things are going to take. Cause you always think things are going to take less mm -hmm. time than they take. Right. And if you're planning out your week and you think like, if you're maximizing each day, you're going to end up with more things than you could possibly do. And you're going to end up with one of those days where you're not very productive because it's your day of, you know, whether it's the day you need to rest or it's the day you've got, you know, some other commitment and you're going to end up feeling further behind because you've, you've planned to do certain things on those days. So I think 
looking at a week, actually planning out and saying like, what days can I be most productive because I have time? And maybe those days where you've got, you know, your kids, you're dropping your kids off at a soccer practice. Maybe that's the day when it's like, I can be very productive with listing because they're at practice and I can list. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's the day I could do sourcing because they're practicing and I can go hit up these surf stores that I'm not normally around. Or So you've got to be wise about that. I think that's good. And, and planning out your week and saying this day, nothing's going to happen. Or if anything's going to happen, it's only going to be stuff I can do on my phone. I, I'm not driving anywhere because leaving my house on this day just isn't going to work. Yeah, and, and again, it's also the days that you have the most energy, right? Energy, energy is huge, which kind of ties into the next thing I want to talk about is what time of the day are you more productive? Morning. I know Mike's morning. morning. I'm a night owl. Nope, it's morning for everybody. 100%. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I will tell you, I, I do my FBA shipments best late. Okay. Here's the question though. Yes. And I only asked this. Okay. That's fair. Hey, that's what we're here for. Um, and, and you're right. Like I, I do think some people are, are night people. Some people are morning people. I just wonder though, cause I, I know a lot of people who are up late and they do things late at night. Mm -hmm. Is that just because that's when you're getting those things done and you can get it done. You don't, you've got fewer distractions or is it, like literally at that time, you have the most, the most mental capability free to you. Like I, I think, shipments, does it take mental work and energy? No, but it takes removal of distractions. Okay. Right. So I think you bring a good point. I, I to me, mornings are super distracting, right? It's because, you know, I get contacted by, you know, people that are up in the morning, right? Because <laughs> most people are awake in the morning, right? Or you know, I got it. I have to take my kids to school or I'm doing a lot of eBay stuff or, you know, I'm more on social media in the mornings and the afternoon. I know I get some flag for being on social media, but hey, we're a podcast. We're about we're going to be on social media. It is what it is. Right. Just need to throw that out there just because, you know, people I, I just I, I it just it's interesting. Anyways. So for me in the night, number one is I don't really I have to force myself to go to sleep. Like I, I don't, I don't get to a place where I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm going to fall asleep. Like I really have to force myself to go to sleep. The second part is I have no distractions, right? So to me, the sweet spot is, this sounds crazy. It's from midnight to 2 a.m. At that point in time, you know, no one's going to be calling me, right? My kids are asleep. I have, you know, in social media, most people are you know, unless, you know, the night all crew that I, I talk to every evening, they're still around, but most social media has calmed down. Right. And I'm, I'm full of energy. I'm ready to go. And so I find that if, if I put myself and determine that I'm going to keep moving, I'll get it done late at night. I find that in the morning, I'm like, Oh, I got to make my breakfast. Oh, it's almost lunchtime. Oh, I got to go run this errand. Oh, I got to take care of this. And I, I'm just not productive in the morning. Yeah. And I get that. I think, I think where I would come in on that, and I absolutely, there's people who are like that. And so don't, don't hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there are not people who are, yeah. are, are night owls and they actually are more productive and have more mental clarity at night than they do in the morning. I am not a morning person by nature. Like waking up in the mornings for me is still a, a fight. I, I wake up early. I get up at four in, in the morning, every morning. And it takes sometimes 10, 15 minutes waking up, splashing water on my face, doing a couple of things, moving a little bit before I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good to go. But I would argue two things here. One is that that idea of no distractions between midnight and two is the same thing at, from four to six, right? Like from four to six, I, you're, you're, not, you're probably right. You're I'm not, not disagreeing with no, you. No, no, I know. I'm just saying like that, that for those who might be 
might not even say you're a morning person because I think there's a lot of people who are not morning people. The reason where I see a benefit of the morning and why I ch choose the morning, and this isn't going to work for everybody, but is after the first like 15, 20 minutes when you get the sleepies out of your eyes and you're not like groggy anymore and you've got a little bit of energy going, you actually have the most the most mental clarity because you haven't had decision fatigue yet today. Mm. You haven't had to make a lot of decisions. You haven't. So when it comes to like the most mentally demanding tasks, I save for the morning. So hard things I'm going to read, difficult emails I'm going to send, all the things that's like the most challenging things that's going to take like absolute 100% focus. I do early in the morning. Then as the day goes on, I got the things that are like more brainless that I can do when I don't have that, like, I'm so like, I'm exhausted. I've had to make too many decisions today. Um, so for me, that's why the morning works. And, and so my suggestion would be, even if you're not a morning person, give it a try, right? Like it doesn't hurt to say, I'm going to wake up at four and go from four to six. Cause the nice thing is if you get that work done, then, then you've got the rest of the day where you've already got the hardest stuff out of the way. Whereas if you're saving your most important tasks, whether it's shipping, listing, whatever, until the very, very end of the night, I feel for me, it's always kind of hanging over my head. It's like, I've got to get this done today. I've got to get this. So then all day long, I'm thinking about it. So try both, see what works best for you. Maybe it's in the middle of the day. You've got like a time where you're, maybe you're not, don't have like a traditional job where you're, you know, nine to five. And so you can have that like, Hey, while most people like their lunchtime, that's when I get most of my mental work done. I don't know. So you got to kind of find what works best for you. Yeah. I mean, you got to just figure out again, like I've said, what time of day is best for you and, and life circumstances change things. Right. So back in the day when I was married, like it was easy in the morning to be productive because I didn't have, you know, I had another person there to help me with a lot of stuff and I didn't have all those distractions. Right. And now, you know. <laughs> I have time in the evening to take care of things. Right. And so that's when I take care of things. Right. Some other people are in different life stages. Right. If you got young kids, morning might be really brutal for you. Yeah. But right? again, but you've got to define morning. Because right? when you're saying evening, you're talking midnight to two. That's not like most yeah. people's. So no, when no, I say again, morning, I'm talking like four to six before your kids get up. So you still don't have those distractions. Yeah. But there's some people that have kids that get up at four in the morning and five in the morning. <laughs> I have a kid that gets up at five something in the morning. So I mean, that's what you got to think about is whatever time. And again, whatever time you find you have the most energy, sometimes people will get tired and exhausted from mental things. Like they can't, you know, when, if they've been dealing with kids or they've been dealing, you know, with just stuff all day, they're exhausted. There are some people that they thrive off of that and they have a lot more energy from off of that. So you have to find whatever allows you to thrive. And if that's, early morning, whether it's four to six, whether it's 12 to two, it's <laughs> either way, it's going to be productive for you and you got to make it happen. Now, the last point here, and this is the, and I don't want to harp on this is, um, take every opportunity, like don't waste time. Like, and I'll give you an example. So one thing that I always, and I've shared this before one, one and long time ago, one thing that always made me laugh was when Clash of Clans came out. So Clash of Clans came out a few years ago. And it's where we worked and everybody was on Clash of Clans, like everyone. And I always, and people would always be like, Hey, Orlando, why don't you get on Clash of Clans? I'm like, Nope, I'm going to be making money. I'm going to be listening on eBay and I'm going to be, you know, taking offers, making off, whatever it was, I'm going to be doing something that's going to make me money. Clash of Clans is not making me money. Right. Some of you are like, Hey, you know, I got to go, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, call anybody out, but this may be something you're dealing with. Like, are you wasting too much time on Netflix or on Hulu or on social media? Are you, is your social media cutting into your ability 
to be more productive, right? Are you wasting too much time on things that in the end aren't going to be profitable for you, yeah. right? And I, I would say I, I, I would call people out and I'm not, not in a bad way, but like everybody for the most part, like you underestimate how much time you're spending on things that usually waste time and you overestimate the time you spend productive. Like that's just natural human nature. We all do that. And so unless you're like real with yourself and say like, okay, where is, where is the fat that I can trim in my, in my life? Right. Where are the things that I'm wasting time? That's not useful for me. And there's actually like new like products. And I don't know if I would recommend them because I don't know anything about them. (laughs) Not to we're sponsored. Yeah. Um, but they're like, they're like these dice thing that you can put by your desk. I've seen them like advertised and they have like different tasks on them or you can like program it. And so whichever one's facing up is like what you're working on. So emails, so you have it face up on emails. And then if it's like, um, you're on doing meetings or you're on Facebook, right? And so you put on whatever thing you're doing and it actually just tracks into your, the app on your phone. And it says, you've spent however much time on Facebook, however much time sending emails, however much time. And that's like a a tech way of doing it, but even just doing it yourself, like spend a week and for a whole week, just write down how much time you start and end time that you're doing things like, Hey, go ahead, watch TV, watch movies, what do your normal thing. Like don't do anything different, but, but keep track of how long you spend at the end of the week. See how many hours are you spending on social media? How many hours are you spending, uh, watching TV? How many hours are you spending sourcing? How many track it, spend the time to do it. And you might be surprised at what you actually find. Agreed. I mean, one of the simplest one is when I was, you know, when I had, when I moved to administration, I had a little more time for lunch. I might hate hearing this, but you know, I could spend a little more time. And what I, what I ended up doing was I began to source during my lunchtime. But how many years did I go not sourcing where I could have been effective my time and made that time profitable instead of saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to go take my time. I'm going to go find something to read. Like it just, it was a waste of time. Mm. Right. So you got, you have to, especially if you're building, if you're trying to scale, you have to take every opportunity of time to ensure that time is helping you win and not lose. It's, I can't, I can't explain it anymore, but make it happen. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.